Drew, welcome back to episode five of the Kurt and Abby Educational Podcast. So we're five episodes in. It's 2021. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. So what's your uh, what's your thoughts here on 2021? Got any grand ideas, any resolutions? You know, I'm, I'm excited for the new year. Um, I'm, I'm personally not a big resolution person. I don't know, just being a teacher, a lot of times I, I view like August as kind of the start of the year, right? Because that's when, that's when we, we get back at it in school. I do have one resolution. I'm going to try to be more mindful. You know, I spend a lot of time in my head in the future. And I want to do a better job of just being present and being in the present. How about you, Kirk? Do you have any New Year's resolutions? I kind of started a resolution last year without going into like great detail, but I, I got out of shape a little bit as a runner and happened to buy myself a new scale that was like a fancy Bluetooth scale that was actually pretty cheap. How did I like and read I all the your BMI and your... Right, right, right. So when I stepped on the scale a year ago, I was really not happy with what I saw and I wasn't running a whole lot. And so last year I did get to work and I achieved some goals, but I'm, I'm well ahead of where I was a year ago, but I do have some goals. I don't know if I'd call it a resolution, but it, I guess it kind of is picking up from last year. And now I'm 40, I'm going to be 42 in March. Okay. So when you're over so you're 40, 40, not 40, you're 41. I'm 41. Okay. And when you turn 40 in the track and field racing world, uh, you can, and even road racing, you could start to race in what's called the master's class, the master's division. Okay. I've, I have not raced in a long, long, long time, but I've always wanted to get back on the track. Last year, things got derailed a little bit with the pandemic because I, I did have a goal to try to run a master's race. So I'm going to reset that goal again. I would love if things open up by the end of the spring and early summer, and I have an opportunity to actually run a track race in a master's division track race, I'm going to try to do that. That's great. Um, that requires a serious commitment, like diet, training, sleeping, you know, stretching, taking care of myself. Cause you can't just, you can't just get out there on the track and bust out an 800 meter. Like you, you gotta be ready for it. So you don't tear your hamstring off the bone. Sure. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited to try that. My second goal or resolution, my very first car ever is a, was a 1972 Volkswagen Beetle. Okay. And I actually started restoring that car when I was a senior in high school here at Schomburg High School. I had I took autos and took the engine out and put a different engine in and rebuilt everything. And my uncle helped me paint it. And I drove that car for several years. And then since then, it's basically sat in a state of disrepair. And I started taking it apart like 15 years ago. So it's in pieces. Wait, so you still own this first car that you I still have it? Yeah, wow. it's in pieces in my garage. It's just like a rolling Hulk. And my daughter just turned 12 and my son's going to turn nine and they've never ridden in it okay. because it's just, it's literally a shell on wheels. And it's time to get that thing restored because as you know, the children just keep getting older faster and faster every year. Mm -hmm. And uh, my daughter did express that she wanted that to be her first car. Mm -hmm. And then I told her, I was like, you realize it has no air conditioning. <laughs> uh, it doesn't even have a fan. Like there's no fan. It's the most basic Beetle they offered in 1972. And she kind of thought about it. And she was like, I think I still want it to be my first car. So we'll see if that happens. But if I could get that car, at least to the point that I could just put it back together, I could put it back together in my free time, which is very limited. But even then you go out to the garage for 20 minutes and you, you know, you bolt something on. So so you, you, can, you can, you can put, you can build a car. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did. I had trouble ahead. last weekend putting some, like a Minecraft Lego set together with my son. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm impressed. 
So I, I did teach automotive technology and I am certified in automotive body repair and in automotive mechanics. I have restored several cars on my own. Okay. And have rebuilt motors and restored several cars. So one of my very, very prideful moments is I, I bought a 1987 Volkswagen Vanagon with the intention of completely rebuilding it so I could drive my kids across the country. And uh, five years ago, we did, we did that. So I did everything, brakes and transmission and imported stuff. And we drove all the way to California and visited my family and drove all the way back in the, in a van that I built, which was super satisfying. Yeah, it was, awesome. it was like a bucket, bucket list type thing. So that was pretty cool. Nice. I guess a different episode for a different day, but some some wild stories on that trip, driving through Death Valley and all kinds of things in a 30-year-old car with a two-year-old and a, I guess, I think it, maybe he was older than two, maybe maybe three-year-old and a whatever, eight-year-old. So it's pretty you know intense. We'll have to circle back to that. So speaking of journeys, okay, so that was definitely a journey. You know, uh, last episode, we had Sean Sullivan on to talk about his journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to continue that theme as time goes on. And so we were, you and I were talking about who should we have on next to talk about their life journey. And uh, Dr. Dr. Lisa Small, our superintendent of our school district, came to mind. So we were able to secure that interview and we're excited to bring her on to the show. So with no further ado, this is our interview with Dr. Lisa Small. Our guest today is Dr. Lisa Small, our superintendent of School District 211. Dr. Small, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Dr. Small. So we wanted to just talk to you here a little bit about your journey. So you're our second guest on this running segment that we're calling The Journey, where we are able to talk to some people that our guess is, is that you have a pretty interesting life path to get you to where you are today that the average person just maybe hasn't had the privilege of knowing. So with that in mind, uh, we wanted to start off with just a simple question of what's your educational background? Where'd you go to high school? Where'd you go to college? I went to St. Charles High School. Uh, at that time, there was only one high school, and uh, St. Charles, if you know, are familiar with that area in Illinois, it is, uh, was a lot of farmland at that time. Still a very nice small town, but just one high school, a lot of farmland. I was um, able to connect with some club teams in volleyball and had the privilege and the honor to gain a scholarship at Ohio State University, and I played volleyball there and went there for my undergraduate degree. Awesome. Did you start volleyball at a very young age? I started playing volleyball on my junior high team. I didn't start playing club ball until I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. Did you ever have to have any jobs or one of our episodes, uh, Drew and I were talking about kind of the different hats that we've worn along the way. I used to work at Subway and was a lifeguard and things like that. So always kind of curious what other things people have done. So let's see. In high school, I was actually hired as an ironer where I went to a family's house and the uh, woman did the, the mother did the laundry and she would fold it and put it on a shelf. And I would come in and take all the laundry off the shelves, iron it and put it away from them. I always thought in the back of my mind, if she would just have hung her clothes up out of the dryer, she wouldn't, (laughs) they would have been just fine. Uh, I also worked in a theater. I was at the, what we called the candy counter at the time. And I will tell you that was interesting because we didn't have a cash register. So we had to do everything in our head in terms of adding up the orders. And then we would in our, it was just the system that this particular theater had for security. We had a cash drawer that only had change, but the the dollar, the bills were held by the manager who was behind the candy counter with us. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. So we had to do the order in our head, get the order, do the, the money situation in our head, do the change out of the drawer, and then do the exchange with the cash from our customer to the change we needed from our manager. And we were all a bunch of high school kids back there. I don't know how many mistakes we made, but uh, <laughs> I can remember my first my first weekend when there'd be a big order. I could literally feel the sweat bubbling on my forehead because of all the, the things that we had going on at the time. And then I guess uh, a couple more interesting jobs I had. I was a, and this job I got because of a business class I was taking in high school. And a local entrepreneur connected with our teacher and was looking for some people to interview for it. And I was a bookkeeper for a woman who had her own company and she was the middleman for a, a type of steel. Hmm. And what I would do is the books and we would be processing orders for steel with a, through a larger company. And it was a, a really a great experience for a, someone in high school to be working that back end of the business and to uh, help her out. And I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say in college, even though I was playing when I got to the end of my playing career and, and had a uh, spring season off, I worked as a driving instructor for a private driving school. Yeah. And I also volunteered to, for our, um, at Columbus, the Center of Science and Industry. We did a lot of science weekend overnights for kids that I was a part of. That's great. Dr. Small, where, were your, uh, where was your first teaching position and what did you teach? I taught biology at Stevenson High School. Did you coach or sponsor anything at Stevenson? I did. I was the boy, uh, boys volleyball coach. It would have been the freshman team. Okay. And I did that uh, for one semester. And then I went back to Hoffman where I was the girls head volleyball coach and became a full-time math and science teacher there. So reflecting back on your teaching and coaching career, do you have a memory that stands out to you that was very positive or something that you you know, reflect on as a achievement? I think as a, I think it's more of an experience that I had that led to some of the base work of my decisions as a teacher. And as a younger teacher, I was able to join a group of teachers in a program that we had at Hoffman that was called LINK. And it was English, math, science, and business. So the four teachers that were um, partnered together as a team for this program we actually had a group of 50 students. So we had two sections of kids that went through all of our classes together. And we designed a curriculum and built that hands-on integrated curriculum as a team. And I think that chance as a younger teacher to work with other teachers from different departments mm -hmm. and gain that experience from their insights and their approach to their discipline, I think really created some avenues for me that I wouldn't have had just being in my own department teaching, whether even though I was across science and math, but that connection into English and business to have that experience really probably matured my thought process in instruction faster than it might have happened before. Sure. It sounds powerful. I, I remember hearing about that uh, when I started at Hoffman too. It, everybody always spoke of it very favorably. And for the people who are from Schaumburg that might be listening in, Matt Greshka, your math department chair, was a part of that. All right. There you go. You'll have to tell us a few stories, too. I'm sure he's got some. I, and I have some from him. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so you, you started off, uh, you know, as a teacher and you're coaching. And then one day you decided to go into min administration. What, what was your motivator to take that step? Well, uh, I'd, I'd love to say that it was an epiphany, but it really was a tap on the shoulder. So my principal at the time 
had a conversation with me and said, have you ever considered this? I'd like you to, in your world of teaching, expand your perspective of looking at the teaching aspect and look at the administration aspect and see if it interests you. And if it does, start taking that coursework to do that. And that's really what led me to that start of that pathway. That's great. I've heard so many, so many administrators give the same story that they were tapped on the shoulder and, and encouraged. And it, it's fantastic to hear that there were people looking out for, you know, people that, that have potential. And if you think about our profession, it makes sense because we go into teaching because we love teaching and we stay there because we love it and the interactions with the kids. And there's always something new you're doing in teaching. You know, you're always looking at how you can do this better or what, what is a new piece of the instructional component or the curriculum component that you can bring in. And you're not necessarily always looking down for a different pathway. Mm -hmm. And so that's why in our, in our profession, it's important that there are taps on the shoulders to have people say, okay, great, keep doing what you're doing, but also look at this other avenue that's out there. It speaks volumes of the power that we all have over each other too, right? Like that as adults, those, those adult relationships or when we are a young teacher or aspiring teacher, that we're all looking for that affirmation and opportunity to grow. So I, I'm always, I guess, inspired to hear stories like this because I've had those same uh, situations true. And I know Drew has as well. And it's a great reminder that we all need that from each other. And when people are doing great things that if we don't speak up, maybe they never know, right? Maybe they never open a door because uh, they don't they don't have the, the confidence or that, that tap on the shoulder to give it a shot. Absolutely. Shifting, obviously, we've all been, you know, the whole world's been immersed in this pandemic and times have been different and sometimes even heavy. Uh, what do you personally do to find some solace or some joy in your day after countless hours spent speaking to people and planning things for a major district and obviously making very difficult decisions? I say part of that is uh, for each one of us, we have to understand our personality and what we need in order to, you know, just as you said, come in, come back fresh after some type of break, even if it's in a 24 hour cycle. And um, for me, it is typically I am at work until I, everything I need to get done is done so that when I leave, even though obviously we're, we're, we always have something going on or as a, as an administrator, we're always on call, but when I get home, there's nothing hanging over me. There may be some thoughts, some different problems or things that I'm thinking about, but my ability then to go home and enjoy what's uh, at home. And my husband and I are, are empty. I should say we're currently empty nesters because in this world, you're only, you might only be temporarily as, right. as the world around us shifts. But um, we have a small farm at home and I enjoy coming home and being able to, even though it's dark out in the winter, walking out and bringing in the animals, which are horse, a llama, an alpaca, pigs, cattle, chickens, turkeys, and feeding them in the evening and kind of being able to just have a break from what I do at work to something that's completely different when I get home. Sounds awesome. I, yeah. I'm jealous. So what's your motivation in the mornings? Like so you get up in the mornings, uh, I'm a, do you have a farm regime or like chores to do before you go to work or do you have to jump right into your superintendent? Well, you know, I'd love to say I get up when the rooster crows, but <laughs> we do have one rooster, but I don't usually hear him. The morning routine, uh, my husband is retired, so he gets the morning routine. Okay. And I get the I get the evening. So when I come home, I go out and do the evening chores. So that that's a, a great benefit to me, and I truly appreciate what he does for that. Otherwise, I would be up 
way early in the morning. <laughs> what drives you as an administrator, you know, every day? What do you, how do you self-reflect? You know, we, one of our episodes, we talked about being a reflective practitioner. So how do you know, and, and what do you do to give yourself the opportunity to feel like, all right, I, I've made this progress or I headed in the direction that I intended to? One of the things I try to do continuously is when I'm in a conversation and this pandemic, thank goodness we have Zoom and we're not constantly just on the phone without a visual connection, is during whatever I'm in, whether it's a meeting with a, a group of students or an administrator or parents or a group of teachers or a team, um, is making sure that I'm reading what's going on with the people I'm with and reflecting on that in the very moment of, you know, are we, are we either accomplishing what we're trying to accomplish? Are we having the, the good discussion? And if we're not trying to very quickly reflect and say, why not? And how to change it at that moment? Because the most of the meetings that I'm in or the situations that I'm in, I'm not going to have that chance again. So I need to make it happen right there. And that, that very quick reflection is something that I do. And it's, it's certainly what, what teachers do in the classroom is you are constantly doing this, this assessment, which really is a reflection on the student's learning as you make changes along the way. Um, so I do that at a, at a small component right in the moment. And then certainly afterwards, you know, what were we trying to accomplish and did we get there? And if we didn't, and we do have the opportunity to meet again, what are our next steps going to be? Thank you. So final question from me or Drew, go ahead. If you want to ask it just for our, our interview here, go ahead, Drew. Uh, you know, we had one final question for you. Yeah, Dr. Small, what's one universal piece of advice that you can give to our audience listening right now? I would say that in, in I always like to think about there, there are things you can control and things you can't control. You have all the things that are going on with us right now. There's so many, so many items, so many situations that we cannot control that what I do is try to make sure my energies and my focus is on not only those things I can control, but also my reaction to the things that I cannot control. And we're all challenged right now. And just to, I continuously tell myself just to take a deep breath and let's see how can we make this a more positive step forward or at least a more positive situation so that each one of us has that in a situation that may not be positive or maybe something we can't control we are at least trying to make it positive for our own well-being and for our own kind of growth of helping others that are around us. Well, we were all doing that right now. And I think Kirk said it earlier, you know, it's, it's the effect that we have on others, too, and how we can not only help ourselves in our, in our own health and our own insights, but also, you know, to be a supportive help to others. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really, I wish we had more time. We're, we do try to keep our episodes kind of short and sweet, but it was great to just hear some of your past uh, stories and situations and a, a chance just to hear from from you. A lot of times, you know, the reality of all of our jobs is we don't get a chance to even just talk, right? Just to learn about each other. So really appreciate getting a chance to learn uh, some of your, your past history. So thank you for taking the time for with us today. This has been awesome. We haven't said the word i'm gonna say it we haven't said COVID in the whole meeting which is <laughs> i'd like to have we all like to have breaks from that and talk about sure. something different so i appreciate that too well thank you Dr. thank you thank you so much drew that was uh, a really 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 fascinating conversation i really wish we had more time to talk to dr small what did you take away from our conversation i agree i want to know more about her farm to be honest with you 
Uh, it sounds it sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, my daughter is a fish at home, and I have enough trouble remember to feed that fish and occasionally clean that fish tank. So, you know, how cool! How cool! It's a it's a dream of mine. I would love to have a piece of land to be able to care for, and I love that she has the ability to just take those moments and just kind of whatever, just get back to nature or just have some peace and quiet and to just care for those animals. I thought that was really exciting to hear and interesting. I'm glad that she has that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I personally did not know much about Dr. Small and it was great to learn about her and, and to, to listen to her advice as well. I thought she offered some really good advice, whether, you know, you're a teacher or an administrator or, you know, just somebody trying to be a better person. Yeah, and we're all, we're all people, right? That's That's what I'm taking away. She's doing her best to manage her personal world and to stay focused and positive. And I love that she shared the story of somebody else, you know, tapping her on the shoulder to send her in a direction that maybe she wasn't thinking about. And I, that's my takeaway of that. We all have the ability to influence people in a positive direction. We just have to have the courage sometimes to pull that person aside and say, hey, you're doing a great job. You know, I know you maybe never thought of this before, but have you thought about this? Or are you willing to speak up for this? Or could you present about that? So it was great to hear that story. Definitely a reminder of how important that is for all of us. Absolutely. Well, this concludes episode five. If you've been listening to us uh, or if you need to get caught up, you can find those episodes on just about every major podcast hosting site, as well as the Saxon Sentinel that comes out every week. So we're thrilled to do this show for you. We hope that you're taking something positive away from it. Drew, as always, thanks for your time and feedback and thoughts. It's an honor to co-host with you and I'm looking forward to our next episode. Yeah, thank you. Take care, everybody. Thanks.